Welcome to Sam and Maggie Hate Glee. Um, this is a podcast. We talk about Glee and stuff. Maggie, I have a very important question for you. Sure. Which starter are you picking for the new Pokemon games? Uh, okay, I like the little green monkey. Yeah? Like the, the plant monkey. I'll probably choose him. Nice. Because um, the other one, like the water one, definitely looks like a weird mudkip ripoff. <laughs> sure. Like a... Like, if Mudkip got, like, glitched to have all of its polygons even further smoothed out. Okay. You know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, a less angular Mudkip, if that's even possible. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah. then there's, like, that weird fire bunny. I don't know why they make the fire ones, like, weird anthropomorphic animals. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. You know, they did it with the fox. The fox one was cool. I will admit that. Yeah. But I don't know why they I don't know why they do it this way. <laughs> yeah, um I I want the water starter. I'm very excited. The less angular little so- cap. I little sobble. I wanted to be happy, Maggie. I want their to protect names it from are the world. Stupid, right? Like what what are their names? <laughs> it's Sobble, Grookey, and Scorebunny. Yeah, I'm going to get pick Grookey because it's the stupidest <laughs> name. <laughs> but it is really cute. Grookey. Uh. That's why. That's Yeah, I'm picking it because it's cute. I play Pokemon based on aesthetics first, which is not the best for like strategy but or Maggie. beating people. But really, the trick to any Pokemon game is to make your Pokemon so high powered that strategy is not necessary. Yeah, exactly. You just, um, you get like one, like maybe one cool um like paired set of moves i don't know like a a rain dance and thunderstorm something like that you know and and then you're set or you just have one hit ko moves for (laughs) all of your pokemon and it's fine you know yes yeah i i can sympathize um this is very tangential but i just started my grass only run of ultrasun um oh god because you've been doing these grass run like grass only runs for a while now but like every game right oh god um but the problem is with ultra sun is that uh there are two grass types on the first island the entire Mm. first island (laughs) so (laughs) i've been so you just have to like have these overpowered beasts yes (laughs) yeah my starter is just a real monster which i mean to be fair that is i think (laughs) how i how i played originally so and it fits in your pocket exactly which is titular (laughs) let's talk about something else that is titular the guilty pleasures oh yeah glee yes this episode is about guilty pleasures and um the people who have them which is our characters this week and all weeks really i don't know why i'm phrasing it like that my cat's biting my leg i'm a little distracted Uh, it, it, give me the stats on the episode. Sure, yeah. So it's season four, episode 17. It's called Guilty Pleasures. And it originally aired on March 21st, 2013, with 5.91 million viewers, which is up from last week's 5.37 million. It was directed by Eric Stoltz and written by two people, Russell Friend and Garrett Lerner. 
I don't, and I've never heard those names before. So, friend and learner, what a pair! Uh, <laughs> let's let's get into this episode. Yes, where uh, we start with no recap, which is great. Well, no, there uh, is a recap, and, Maggie. Oh well, maybe my player must have just skipped it. Yeah, because it was like we know we know what you <laughs> we know your dark deeds. <laughs> yeah, well, so yeah, so the recap. It, I mean, to be fair, we we say this every week. But it does discuss Santana and Brody. Um, it does call mm. Brody a gigolo. So, you know, I'm not really down no. with all of this. Like, there's more shame later, yeah. and like Brody is just a guy trying to make his way in the big city. There is no shame in anything that he's done, except for maybe lying to Rachel. But yeah. also, she was lying to him, so the relationship was toxic anyway. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about that because, like. I feel like if we, for our recap, let's let's tell the story. They had a quote mature conversation after she came oh back God. from the wedding, and we didn't understand any of it, and they didn't either. Apparently, like, <laughs> yeah, because we we thought it was like all this implied like metatextual stuff about how. Like, oh no, they're they're just young, but they're and like evolved people. <laughs> no, and no, they like they were both like, what the fuck just happened? What yes. is this? Who are we? Yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. We. So, uh, yeah. We and also in the recap, I think is important. Santana didn't move out of the Bushwick loft. She threatened Brody so that she didn't have to. Yeah. So that Brody had to move out instead. Which I felt like that was slightly unclear because when I started this episode, I was like, wait, what the fuck? Why is Santana living here? They made such a big deal about how she moved. Yeah, um, I mean, they do have yeah. a moment late, like a little bit into the episode that kind of explains that. But you're right. It should have been clearer. Um, Finn also if, left. If only oh. because they like, le- they put so much like unnecessary labor into other elements of the plot. Yeah. Where it's like. <laughs> Why didn't you do that one? <laughs> I just, whatever. It's fine. Uh, we get into uh, the actual story yes. with Blaine trying to, like, give Sam some money discreetly. Um, it's just, like, a wad of bills. And he's like, here, this is for you. D- you don't have to say if you really need it. Uh, just take it. Okay? Yeah. Um, and and Sam's just like, um, what? what? Yeah. Um, then we get, like, a flash of... Something that I just really loved. It's really fleshing out Blaine's character for me in like these small little moments um, throughout this back half of the show itself, which is odd because he has been a character for two seasons and we haven't gotten these like strange little quirks, but okay. Yep. Um, we find out that Blaine has found a new shortcut to cut 15 seconds of his daily routine, which means he has like a Rachel Berry-esque like precise schedule yes um <laughs> which would make sense if he is ha, is a member of all these clubs i don't know what i think ryan murphy saw the movie rushmore once and oh, was okay. like sure all my main characters in high school are gonna be like that yeah that is, <laughs> yeah yeah that's what my, that's what rachel barry's gonna be like and that's what blaine anderson's gonna be like now because he's the new rachel right. um yeah yeah anyway Blaine saw Sam stealing some pasta from the cafeteria. Yes. So you'll you'll remember um, they didn't put this in the recap, but uh, Sam is poor. 
question mark um his family was yeah, homeless for a he, while and they lived in a his motel family was homeless i don't know if sam's family lives in lima i yeah, thought I he don't... was living in like finn's house well <laughs> did they move back so that uh, sam could continue to go to school at mckinley because like i don't think so i, I think yeah. they're still in indiana <laughs> So, anyway, but, like, so Blaine has made an assumption here um, and is trying to give Sam some money to help feed his family, um, but then... And then yeah. we get, like, the weirdest line delivery yes. ever because Sam's like, listen, it's it's not for dinner. It's It's for... It's for art. Like, it's like he can't... The actor couldn't believe that he was going to have to fucking say this. Um, well, like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. So, yeah, of no. course. Like, uh, We find out that Sam... Sam has been creating um, macaroni portraits. Very intricate, well-detailed macaroni portraits of various celebrities. Yes. Emma Stone, Leanne Rimes... Ralph Macchio as the Karate Kid and Duck Dynasty, yes, a whole, um, the whole family for that one, and then finally Kurt's headshot. Yes, um, yeah. So the thing is, like Sam is revealing these to Blaine, um, and he like, you remember this episode is called Guilty Pleasures. This is described as Sam's guilty pleasure. Um, yeah. What? Um, he's he's like, yeah, my art teacher says I'm a genius. <laughs> but, like, I don't want to... I guess I guess Sam is ashamed uh, for some reason. Like, I don't know why he made that Kurt portrait. That's really my question. Did he make it for Blaine? Like, what? I mean, maybe. I feel like... Um, Was he just making a Kurt portrait? I, I feel like... There's a lot in this episode that is like Sam knows that Blaine has a crush on him. So like a lot of the things that yeah. he does are like weird. <laughs> and I feel like that might be the cause of it. But um I mean, I don't know. It's just it is definitely an odd choice though. Um if you're doing something in secret to make like a portrait of your best friend's ex-boyfriend to like give to them if you're gonna give it to them at all i guess sam is also kurt's friend but like is he you know yeah i don't it's odd it is uh uh, one thing i want to point out before we leave the scene is when blaine is trying to give sam the money he's like hunger is a big problem in this country but so is obesity so i don't know how that works out like he's i don't know um (laughs) With this line is very quintessential, like wanting to be helpful teenager who's privileged and like <laughs> misinformed. Yes, uh, which is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's very good. Um, yeah, so we're in that art room, and yes, Sam pressure. This is the beginning of the plot where Sam pressures Blaine to essentially fess up to Sam that Blaine has a crush on him, which is like weird. Yeah, but. Whatever. Well, Sam, Sam is like, well, you know mine. Now show me yours. Because yes. we get a lot of like sort of queer baby sort of yes. lines in this episode. Um, and then Sam's like, oh, I mean, your guilty pleasure, which is already a sexy thing to say. Let's get it. Let's get it out here. Yes. It's like not, you know, it's not completely chaste. No. They're, whatever. Um, and uh, 
it's Blaine's just like, uh, uh, and he, he stares at Sam's lips. We get like multiple close-ups of Sam's lips as he's talking. Yes. And then Blaine's like, I love Wham. The <laughs> band Wham. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This episode is funny. It's, yes. um... <laughs> It's well cut for the most part, uh, and I'll mention some other ones that are really, like, that really stand out. But first, we find out from Tina, who just sort of sticks her head in the door, because I guess she saw these them go in there, whatever. She heard them talking about guilty pleasures, and she was like, oh, I know how to make everything <laughs> unpleasurable by sticking my head into it. That's mean. <laughs> I really don't mean that about Tina, but that's, like, the vibe that Blaine has, because well, he's just like, thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, I, I was going to say that she she could sense that Blaine was staring at Sam's lips, so she knew where to go. <laughs> um, but she's here to tell them that Glee is canceled this week because she was sick, um, which seems like a... There's no real explanation there. <laughs> well, it seems like a bad strategy a few weeks before regionals to not have the club meet, even if you're sick as the teacher. Like, Yeah. Um, also because you were seemingly unnecessary for a little while when Finn was quote unquote running the Glee Club. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we find out there, there's no will, which is great. I'm so happy that there's no will in this episode. It really lightens the mood. Yes. Uh, and Sam and Blaine are going to be running Glee Club together. They gathered everyone together so that they can wear like sweatsuits in front of them um really bl- sam's in like a blue zip-up hoodie and jeans and blaine is wearing his red cheerio pants and like a red zip-up top he wears his red cheerio pants multiple times this episode he's like it seems like he still has to wear the cheerios outfit to school but will change what's on top for glee <laughs> for fashion um, of course <laughs> um yeah so and, they intro maggie yeah. the theme for the week just well, like just like she would, because Blaine's like, you know, we were we were just you know shooting the crap like two bros do, and we were feeling really safe with each other, so we decided to share our guilty pleasures. Um, Which that's such a weird <laughs> like one of the things that's it's it's like a thing no human being would say. <laughs> like it's that's a- that's the best part about this episode is just that like the dialogue surrounding quote guilty pleasures is bizarre like <laughs> the dialogue is so bad it's stilted it's awkward but like it, at the same time i'm not mad at it no well because the best part is that like it feels so like weirdly sexual because so many times this episode they refer to like coming out of the closet about your like yes. guilty pleasures yeah there's so much like there's a lot of like coded yes. <laughs> gay language that it's but in in situations that don't really deserve it. Right. Yeah. That's it's, um, yeah. It's yeah. So that it's still very fun though. Yes. It's, it's all around a good time. Yes. Uh, and we get we get into the action and the real good time with a reveal of the shirts underneath of our blam pair hoodies. Yes. Um. They they also before we get into the number. They tell us that it's a tactic for team building. Because yes, that is the whole premise of this episode, is that they're going to do these elaborate numbers that require discrete costumes, um, discrete, like, I don't know, uh, light uh, like plans for their performances, yeah. choreographed things. It's um, 
It's all for team building. Yes. This is how many weeks before regionals? Two? We're on episode like eight after sectionals, which is not... I mean, this is some bullshit. And yeah, we, we talked about how weird the timeline is last episode. It's... None, it doesn't make sense. It's still but... really bad. It's really bad. <laughs> yes. But is it February? I, I don't is know. Is it? Is it... Is it March? Because it's March in real life, but I feel like regionals happened in February last year. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. and we're sort of at the same timeline for them, but Glee is going to slow way down, <laughs> and we're not going to. So great. Uh, yeah, we uh we do see the number Jitterbug, which is by Wham. Yes, it's probably their most popular number. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's fun. You'll you'll know this number if you've seen the movie Zoolander, um, because as soon as they started it, I turned to Kristen's like, "This is the number they do during the gasoline Orange fight." Frappuccinos. <laughs> that's what you screamed at Chris, right? Like that's what you have to do. Orange mocha frappuccinos. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's great though. It's a really good time. Everyone's having quite the bopping time because as soon as they start singing everyone's like oh i mean i don't know and then sam like grabs people yes um as he's running around the room like trying to get them enthusiastic unique is already feeling it as soon as any music comes on in this episode unique is like yeah i'm here for it yes yes (laughs) Yes. (laughs) and um then we get the weirdest shot i don't know if you saw it but it's blaine in the corner with like tina marley maybe britney or something but it's they're singing back up for him and it the sh- the camera's literally on the ground like we're looking up at them <laughs> well the thing is like i feel like it's leading into because what this hap what this turns into i'm just saying that shot was whack as hell <laughs> yeah well, like because it but unnecessary it turns into an 80s style music video so like Woo. Is that an 80s style music video shot? Maybe. No. Maybe. I don't know. I wouldn't probably know. Probably not. <laughs> but there's so much uh. terror. Like, the best part is, like, it's kind of like the dialogue around guilty pleasures. It's The editing is not good, per se, because it's not, like, aesthetically pleasing, but it is very fun. <laughs> like, it's super yeah. fun to watch. It's just terrible because it's, like, 80s style. And it's just, like, like shot in shot and, like... Mo- like things moving across the screen and you're just like it's, what is it's going on it's a good on? ass time though <laughs> yes. there's um th- there's a couple different like sequences there's bits where it's like them all dancing together and then there's like um cuts to Blaine and Sam singing by themselves like in the middle of the stage with a fan on them yes uh <laughs> These these shots are really like memorable for me because there were so many fucking gifts of them on Tumblr. Oh my god, they were all over the place. Sure. There's a part where like Blaine sort of turns his head to look at Sam and everyone was like, "Wow, Blam confirmed." And it's like we already knew he was obsessed with him. Like yes. th- this is nothing. Yes. Um anyway, uh those gifts are all over the place and I'm not saying they're bad. The bright colors are a great time. That that feels a little a little queer baity, but um It's all queer baity. Yes. That's this episode. <laughs> Instead of calling it guilty pleasures, they could call it queer baiting one oh one. You wanna figure out what it is? It's this. <laughs> um but like the costuming is really good here too, because it's like they're all in like like neon, like 
cut up clothes that are very fun uh lots of like pink like bright pink jewelry it's all very good did you notice that blaine's ears are pierced in this yes (laughs) they're pierced in the gay way yes like i just i was just like like i was watching i was like why are his ears pierced his ears pierced are his ears are not pierced in like quote real life for for fashion okay for the look okay for the 80s aesthetic yes uh which is which is what i'm down with honestly you know i sort of uh just had a realization while i was listening to you talk there i was listening uh but i also realized this it seems like this episode has a bunch of like leading moments into fan fiction or like leading moments into um like a culmination of Sam and Blaine's relationship that just never happens. And that's like the majority of their scenes this episode. If that yeah. makes yeah. sense. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's, let's move um, on. Yes. W- there is a black light in this oh, in yeah. number as well. I, I uh, when I saw <laughs> there's the, a lot. When I saw the first time I talked I turned to Chris and I was like, look, they had extra paint from last episode when Sue did her Nicki Minaj number. Um <laughs> That was probably it, exactly, yes. (laughs) Uh, And now we see Brittany coming up to Kitty in the hallway and saying, guess what? Everyone hates you. Yes. (laughs) And uh, then she, like, talks about how both her and Kitty have mystical blonde powers uh, that can be used for doing the splits or being Swedish. And then (laughs) is like, listen, Kitty, I know what you can do to repair your image. A fondue for two. Oh my we go God. straight into <laughs> go straight into the um, uh, theme song for fondue for two. It's amazing, obviously. Yes. I think we've really sung the praises of this um, show within a show in the past, but honestly, it deserves it again. It's I great. Mean, th- this this specific episode, though, is like. I don't know. This one is the one that concerns me the most, maybe specifically sure. for Lord Tubbington, because in the for Lord Tubbington and the Scientology. Uh, yes, yeah. Because in the past, Lord Tubbington has done some things on Fondue for Two that have been um, not great, specifically online gambling and being a slumlord. And yeah, like but, running his slumlord properties. But uh, we mm. find out in this, we're we're, we're going to get to. It. They're going to talk about their guilty pleasures for the whole internet. It's a safe space. Um, but Lord Tubbington guilty pleasure is Scientology which that yes, sentence makes sci- no sense so and he's reading an L. Ron Hubbard book yes. uh, I didn't scope the title but yeah that's pretty gnarly I think it's actually pretty funny <laughs> yes. uh, I definitely laughed uh, and the idea of a cat being in a cult is funny well I mean <laughs> with our like with our canon like maybe Scientology I'm not going to say maybe Scientology is real, but like Lord Tubington's an alien. Are are aliens? Like, (laughs) oh no, I'm saying that like maybe alien species would be very interested in this religion that has this whole theory about like aliens like inhabiting our bodies or whatever. Like, oh yeah, because that's that's the idea is that we're all like alien spirits held inside and trapped by our our repressed memories from coming out of the womb. Yes, that's. Yeah. Yeah, it's a whole well, thing. We're not going to talk about it anymore, Scientology is just <laughs> yeah. so wild. Uh, uh, <laughs> anyway, I wanted to share a fun trivia from the Fondue for Two wiki page. Sure. Uh, because I was reading it trying to figure out 
um, when the when like the first fondue for two happened, it was in season two, mm-hmm. uh, which you recall is better than season three. Yep, uh, and. <laughs> It's because of fondue for two, probably. Uh, it's it's in season two, and then it only came back for season four. So there were none in season three. That makes sense. Uh, and it will be in every season following this one, okay. is what the wiki says. Cool. Um, now let me give you yes. this fun trivia. Okay. Are you ready? So ready. Fondue for two was actually an idea from a fan of Glee. The fan, Teresa Musumeti, wrote in a letter about a talk show called Fondue for Two that could be on the show. She then went to New York and got a security guard to give the letter to Corey Monteith. Oh my god. (laughs) There is no um, citation for this little (laughs) anecdote. Okay. Um, Well, the issue issue that I have with that you just said that now is that people are going to think that they can give people ideas... By getting bodyguards to give notes to actors, no. like <laughs> Sam, people have been doing this for centuries. Like, what? Yeah, do you but mean? it doesn't work. <laughs> That's like the hallmark of it is that it doesn't actually work. You, like, I'm not. I don't think it. I might not have. This person might be a complete like lie. <laughs> I, I do love the love the idea. What was the name again? Um. Let's see. Teresa Musumeti. Yeah. So Teresa definitely went on her computer and was like. You know what they say, if it's on the internet, it's true, and then just wrote it. Like, oh. Also, why would you put your first and last name? Like, what? Like- yeah. <laughs> well, because she wanted the the cred, the street cred that could come from <laughs> making a fondue for two on Glee, which is quite a lot of, ma- quite, like, probably quite a large amount in the Tumblr fandom at the time, that's, you know? That's like, you could be like, very yeah. true. Fondue for two? That was my idea. I picked out that jumpsuit that Brittany is wearing and that rainbow apple belt. And guess what? I wrote the theme song, too. I was going like, to I wrote and performed the theme song so that way they would see how genius an idea it was. So It's a weird flex, but it's like one that would work in, at the time. Yes. You know? Yeah. Now... Let's talk about the actual fondue for two in the episode. Yes. Uh, she introduces Kitty as McKinley's biggest bitch. Mc- it's Kitty. Yes. And then Kitty's like, yeah, that fondue smells like barf. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, then Brittany's like, this is a safe space. Tell me your guilty pleasures. Basically a demand. And then they go back and forth with their guilty pleasures about farting in front of old people. Uh, the entire Bring It On franchise. Yes. Which, they're cheerleaders, so, like, duh? Like, no, it makes sense. I mean, I'm, listen, if Bring It On's on TV, I'm gonna watch it. Yeah. Especially that first one. Come on. Well, okay, here's the, here's my thing. I'll get into this now. My quibble with the whole guilty pleasures aspect of this episode, um, I mean, I know that there's still things now today that people are, like, kind of ashamed to like, but it I just, maybe it's that, like, I have built my own, like, social bubble where, like, I don't feel shame for liking the things that I like because yeah, I, like, my friends like those things, too. Like No, I mean, it's exhausting. Like, why would you do that to yourself? Right. And if you're going to, like, say that any movie with Eliza Dushku in it is a guilty pleasure, like, who are you? Right? Like, yeah. So, I mean, there's better examples later in this episode, but I'm just, like... I don't know. It just it was 2013 really that long ago, or is this just like? I mean, it might have just been like a 
like a more shameful time, you know, yeah. like the internet. Oh, you should feel shame for liking things that are fun. <laughs> there, there wasn't a subreddit for movies that star Eliza Dushku yet. So, like, where were you supposed to find your people? Um, uh, the Buffy forums, probably. <laughs> yeah, but so. Um. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. It, it's just. I'm not about it. No. Like this kind of like shaming of guilty pleasures, but I think the show is it's still very lighthearted. Yeah, no, it's and it's a good time. That, that's the nice thing is like the show doesn't really enforce this idea that people should feel shame for these things. For the most part, it actually kind of encourages people to share these things with other people. It's just one of those things yeah. where it's like I don't know. But uh, I wrote a quote from Kitty from Fondue for Two um, because Brittany is like. Everyone knows you're a backstabbing slut who, like, will tell everyone else a secret. And Kitty's like, and yet everyone keeps telling me their secrets, so I must be doing something right. Uh, yeah. Which is so true. Being a goddess compelling them. Yes. Um. So And yeah. Kitty has a final guilty pleasure that she cannot share. She's too overcome with shame. Yes. Uh, to, sh- to share it uh, out loud. Instead, she whispers it into Brittany's ear. We don't find out what it is. Well, but the fun, Next, Maggie, what? the fun part about that scene is that we don't see it as just normally fondue for two. We just see fondue for two, but we actually see this scene on a computer yes. screen that Tina is watching in the library. <laughs> Tina gets yep. agitated about not knowing the secret. Well, because Tina's a fondue for two biggest fan. Yes. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, I just like the framing of that. I think it's great because it's like. Of course, no, of course, she's also. a big fan of Fondue for Two. Like, who of else course. watches it? She's like, she wants to be supportive of Britney. Yes, the entire Glee Club are big fans of Fondue for Two. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we see in Niada, Kurt is in like acting class or something. Yes, and you know how it's like a thing in TV or like movies, even where we come into the middle of a conversation yes. and we're told that something interesting just happened. Yes, or we're told that like something funny just happened by like a punchline or the way people laugh, which which has Glee has done that before. Yeah. Obviously, they haven't really done something like this where we find out that. Um, Right before we entered the scene, the person standing in the middle of this chair circle did a reenactment of a sense memory from being potty trained. Yeah. Um, the, this <laughs> this is framed because this is the way we're intro to the scene is the teacher is giving a monologue about like secret shames and how we have to express them in acting in order to be good actors or something, which like... Sure, whatever. But you're absolutely right. Like, she, the best part is this this poor woman is, like, squatting mm-hmm. in the middle of, the, like, the circle to start the scene. Yeah, and she looks, like, traumatized. <laughs> it's like, like, yeah, it's like, woof. Um, it's not good. No. And the acting teacher, whoever this idiot is, is like, wow, that was really powerful. <laughs> if only we could all learn to do that. Um, and then he's like, Kurt Hummel, you're up next. And Kurt stands. Um, he is wearing that cool, like, navy and black collared suit, uh, a shirt, I mean, that I have commented on in the past. It's a cool shirt. Yeah. And Blaine and Kurt has, like, a whole monologue on top of this scene. So we don't see him... I mean, like, voiceover monologue. Yes. We don't see him doing any acting in acting class. Well, um, I okay. Yeah. We, we do see a little bit at the end where he does some weird arm gestures that imply yeah, that what he... like a, get away, get away. Which imply that his story is at least somewhat, like, 
interesting, but we have no idea what he tells these people. Instead, no, he, not at all. he tells us that his guilty pleasures, or secret chains, are TV binges. He goes over like six or seven TV shows that he's watched the entirety yeah, he, of. He cites that they need to have like TV powerhouse women in them. Yes. So. Yep. Um, and Richard Simmons workout tapes. Yep. <laughs> with Dancing to the oldies. Yep. Um, and then the real, the real highlight here um his new boyfriend arm pillow named <laughs> the boyfriend arm named bruce um oh, oh the God. boyfriend arm is amazing um i the reveal of it is just really good yes. kurt like pulls out this like antique case yes. from uh, from underneath his bed and pulls it onto the bed and opens it and we zoom in on kurt's face yes <laughs> as he's like i bought this on ambient <laughs> which like just my favorite like i i think this is the scene like i think kurt says this himself but he's like yes i named it bruce i know it's like a weird like jeffrey Dahmer kind of thing but i swear it's just because i i really need that like comforting touch at night and like i would be i would die if anyone found out about it like uh. yes um he's just like if uh, Rachel and Santana figure out about this. I'm dead. If Blaine knows about this, oh my god! Yes, like, it's, just, it's honestly the best thing. Um, and Chris Colford just like acts it straight and like is, I don't know. It's like he's in love with this boyfriend pillow. He's so happy to see it, and he like hugs it as he lies down. Yeah, it's really good though. Like his non-judgmental embrace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, very good. Next, we're in the McKinley locker room. Uh, Blaine is like, I don't know, doing his hair or something. You know, yes. something Blaine's have to do, like d- practicing their their operatic uh, uh, arpeggios, like Rachel does in the shower, and gelling his hair. Those are the two things he does the most. I bet. Right. And Sam comes up and is like, "Dude, put some pants on. I have to talk to you." Yes. Uh, which oh queer baiting ahoy everyone here we go <laughs> yes because sam like pulls blaine it's like a little corridor and is like i have a really deep shame and like feelings that i don't know how to express and i i feel it's it's causing me a lot of like stress and and blaine is like you're in love with me i knew it i knew it all along <laughs> and then sam's like no no, honey. That is absolutely what Blaine, like how Blaine wanted the conversation to go. Yes. Because he's just like, do you have feelings for me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I don't know. I don't know if that is what I would go to. If a friend of mine was like saying these sorts of things, I'd be like, yeah. Well, yeah. Why? Like that sort of thing. Yes. That, like, you are in love with me. <laughs> well, I knew it. <laughs> I mean, the setup here is that Blaine is a teenager who is like yes. head over heels for Sam. So, like, the jump yeah, isn't that. He just far. wants to stare at his lips and, um, yeah, yeah, touch his beautiful blonde hair. Yes, that's that's what Sam. That's uh, what Blaine is into these days. Uh, but instead of coming out as anything interesting, <laughs> Sam comes out as a fanalo. Yes. Someone who is a true blue fan of Barry Manilow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Blaine immediately shames him for it, which is interesting. He's he's like, you, you can't say that in here. <laughs> well, because he makes, he essentially makes Sam, like, yell it at him, which is great. And then everyone stops and, like, stares at Sam. Um, mm-hmm. which, like... 
this is again one of those things. Was it? I mean, here's the thing. We've talked about this before. The writers of the show obviously are mm-hmm. not high schoolers. So no. they have like a, a worldview where it's cool to hate Barry Manilow. Do you think high schoolers sure. in 2013 thought it was cool to hate Barry Manilow? I don't think they know who Barry Manilow is. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> in my experience, if I were to bring up Barry Manilow in high school, which surely happened, uh, yeah, I don't think anyone would be like, oh, that guy, I hate him. I think they'd be like, who? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like when I watched it with Chris. Copacabana? <laughs> what are you talking about? When I watched it with Chris, I was like, oh, Barry Manilow. And then he was like, who? And I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, there it is. We know about Barry Manilow because of our mom's extensive record collection. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, like, I think an alternate episode name for this episode, a good one is Queer Baiting 101, but another really good one is Our Mom's Record Collection. <laughs> yeah totally (laughs) um yeah uh, absolutely if only there was like a carpenter's number (laughs) which listen i would get down with that also yes uh yeah we're we find out that he's a fanalo uh how but and blaine's like just listen once you stop hiding you'll feel so much better you just need to come out to the glee club and, yeah, because um, Maggie... Sam's nervous. Maggie, straight white guys have real issues, too, you know? Um, <laughs> this is They're trying to... <laughs> Sam, this this is, like, some older gay men being like, listen, how can we make coming out relevant to straight people? Here's what we'll do. <laughs> yeah. It didn't work because they mentioned Barry Manilow. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like they missed a step, which was that if they really wanted to do this, they needed to pick someone that people knew. Um, it needed to be a lot more relevant than it was. Whatever, it's fine. Yes. Uh, now we see the loyal fans of Fondue for Two confronting Brittany and Kitty in the hallway. They demand to know what the secret guilty pleasure was, and Brittany spills the beans immediately. Yes. Um... <laughs> Because yes. Kitty's like, no, I I can't. And then we the camera just swivels over to Brittany, and Brittany's like, Spice Girls. <laughs> yes, it's so good because then immediately because um it's Tina, Marley, and Unique who are do who are the loyal fans of Fondue for Two, um and they all just start screaming, which is great. Um, well, first we get like shocked oh, faces, yes, <laughs> like. <gasps> And then, yeah, they all just erupt into, like, I love the Spice Girls! Yes. And Marley does, like, a Muppet kind of move where she just sort of waggles her arms in the air. <laughs> oh, it's great, though. Um, because that's the reaction I wanted to have. Yes. <laughs> but it is soured a little bit by some transphobia at the end of the scene. Yes. Um, and we get the start of the Scary Spice discourse, which is... Um, uh, yeah, well, we're going to have to come back to it, but they're, they're playing... It's like they added way more of a minefield there than they really needed to. Yes, um, but to to end up this scene, they've all decided they're going to do a Spice Girls number together, and there's five of them. How convenient. Um, so... As soon as they knew there were going to be five girls, like... Do you think they worked backwards from Wannabe? Well, like, to make the episode? <laughs> I mean, there's a line. They, they do the number Wannabe spoilers. Um, but Artie says that, like, there's a current climate of hatred for the Spice Girls, which 
I also don't remember that either, but like I yeah, guess I don't. That that seems more likely because it's something that teenage girls liked. So like I'm not surprised. So people would hate yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um but I don't know. It's again one of those things where I'm like, I'm pretty sure people liked the Spice Girls when I was in high school. Like Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like it wasn't like radical <laughs> to be into the Spice Girls. Because like yeah, the idea of a girl group that is like a boy like a boy band is actually not a bad idea because young men also like sex objects. Like surprise amazing <laughs> but any- yeah. anyway um but it's not it's the same are you saying the large contingent of fans for spice for the spice girls were young boys no. who were into women obviously not no. but what i'm saying is that like I, I mean obviously the problem is that society is not okay with the idea of sexualized young women because god forbid um but like i don't know it just doesn't seem controversial to me especially for like, no. young people <laughs> like no, it's, I don't, it's not even like a good guilty pleasure. No. It's just like, oh no, you like the Spice Girls? Like everyone? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now we're gonna uh, skip the transphobia that's at the end of it and just go to the next scene, which is back in the Bushwick loft. There are three people in a single bathroom while one of them is showering. <laughs> Uh, Maggie. Rachel is showering. Yes. Kurt is brushing his teeth, and Santana's just like rifling through products on the shelf, which is on brand. I was gonna say at least for Santana. I, I imagine that Kurt and Rachel are happy she does this in the open now, rather than doing it behind their backs. So, um, <laughs> well, that's what a good roommate does. <laughs> yes. So Santana is demanding a third of the shelf space, um, and then Kurt calls her an oily bitch, which is an interesting <laughs> thing. Um, but uh, <laughs> well, he's like maybe if you use some of my. Pro- you wouldn't have as much oil on your face um or like as much oil as the middle east on your face yes uh and rachel's like huh burn (laughs) from the shower um but the the better part though is that after she says that she then starts practicing her like scales in the shower while they're all in there like yep (laughs) while they're all in there for sure uh and santana uh, using the opportunity of Rachel being distracted is like, hey, Kurt, listen, I'm going to blackmail you because you know about Brody. Yes. And I'll tell Rachel that you know and you didn't tell her. Okay? Yes. And Give me that shelf space. <laughs> yeah. Here's where we find out that they have a pact. Um, and this is why Santana is still there because... Why didn't this pact happen on screen? I mean, yeah. Because we wanted to see... How, does, how did Kurt find out? Did Santana just come out and tell him? I mean, Finn is his brother. So, like, maybe Finn I told guess. him? I don't know. Um, I mean, to be fair... Are they texting? Do they have a family text <laughs> where they discuss these things? Um, I do like the idea, though, that... Because, like, like, Kurt was kind of on Santana's side when Santana had the drug dealer theory. So, yes. maybe she just told him. Um, but, yeah, so... Uh, Rachel gets out of the shower, and then we find out that Rachel doesn't know why Brody left. We and we see it. Yeah. I think that he just leaves. He's like, yeah, yeah. she's rem- she's reminiscing about um like how she broke up with Brody and how she's sad. And she's like, you know, we first met in the bathroom doing our moisturizing routines, <laughs> and Santana's like, wow, how gay. Yeah. And- <laughs> and uh then we get that little breakup flashback where they say nothing 
basically. Yes. Brody's just like, listen, I have to go. Yes. And Rachel's like, why? I don't understand. <laughs> and it's over. Yes. Um, yeah. And then uh, Santana kind of pushes on this a little bit because you can tell that Santana really wants to tell Rachel the truth. But like Kurt told her she shouldn't. So she's like, yeah. And so instead, um, Santana, to kind of lift Rachel's spirits, um, suggests that they prank Kurt, uh, which is a real healthy roommate dynamic. Um, so mean. But Rachel is down. Yes. Like, she doesn't need any convincing. She's just like, no, this is a great idea. Yes. And um, they decide that they're going to take a pot of hot water and put Kurt's hand in it so that he pisses everywhere. <laughs> Just like, what a mean prank! <laughs> like, especially because, like, that's something that like people talk about doing at like sleepovers when you're like children. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, they're adults. Like, Kurt's gonna have to wash his own bed's clothes. Like, I feel bad for they're him now. Like, adults, yes. Uh, so if we see them like sneaking around the loft, Rachel has this big pot of water and they're in their pajamas and they go into Kurt's little curtained off section, uh, and they see Bruce. Yes. Which. (laughs) And and Kurt is like, wakes up at the start and is like, the curtain means privacy. (laughs) Yes. Um, which. Like the the really nice thing, so kind of back to like the guilty pleasures aspect of this episode. Um, instead of like being really shitty to Kurt, they're actually just kind of like they're really pretty nice about it. Um, yeah, well, they don't really shame him or anything. Right. But Rachel's like, "What is that?" <laughs> um, yeah. and um, Kurt's just like, "Listen, I saw the commercial, and it was like, are you alone? Do you need companionship? Yes, yes." <laughs> <laughs> and, and Rachel like comes over to touch it and Kurt's like his name is Bruce and we're exclusive don't touch him yes. you cannot borrow him yeah and then I mean I think Santana makes a really great point here where she's like well this is probably better than having some weird hookup from Grinder." so <laughs> Santana is supportive yes yeah uh yeah that I don't know. Their roommate, roommate dynamic is at least very fun. Yes. Um, it's definitely not healthy. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, real world healthy, but it's fun I mean, for TV. Maggie, their apartment is not real world healthy. They have curtains, no. and, like, oh, no. they all share a bathroom. Like, Well, like, sharing a bathroom wouldn't be a big deal if they didn't all use it at once. <laughs> Maggie, all of their schedules sync like, in the worst way. It's just so out of that, this world wild. You know, like, why Why did they set up the scene with three people in one bathroom with Rachel showering yeah. at that time? Yep. What? Yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, God. It's just so odd. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. The next scene is in McKinley. We see uh, Sam in the choir room standing in front of the Glee Club, and he comes out as a fanalo. Uh Yes. Yeah, and, and he's yeah. like, Barry Manilow has done a lot of good for this world, and I want to support him. Yeah, and once again, like, the people who are watching this show's reaction to Barry Manilow is most likely either, oh, I love that guy, or who? So, sure. Or just like a, yeah, Barry Manilow, I guess. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so then, in order to prove his love for Barry Manilow, I mean, we don't really get any, like, uh, like the Glee Club has some, like, facial reactions 
that are like kind of shocked. They're sort of stone faced though. Yeah. Like they're like, hmm. And then Sam pulls out the sleeves. Yes. Uh, he's going to be doing a lot of sleeve work for this number. Very little dancing. We're just sort of sleeve gesticulating, yes. which is fine uh, because the sleeves are pretty magnificent. They're black and rough and purple ruffles up and down the entire arm of the sleeve uh, with a gold trim. Yes. Um, they are lovely. Yes. Um, he starts Copacabana, which is, I think we probably Barry Manilow's most popular it's number. It's Barry Manilow's, like, at least most memeable number. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. Um, and and uh, yeah. they they he begins to sing it, and everyone's like, oh, I mean, yeah. And Br- Brittany jumps up and is, is Lola for the number. Yes. And we see Jake being Tony, and we see Artie as Rico. If you are not familiar with this song, it is like a storytelling song. Yes. <laughs> Uh, it's a it's very um was that one uh no it's not run joey run i because i've been thinking about how much better this would have been if it was almost more like run joey run you know like if they had like the whole video thing sure yeah it's it's, yeah i mean it's fine you know i'm i'm just recalling Artie directed run joey run he did yes (laughs) So he's done. He's done at least one micro budget feature right there. Well, and also they've also unless done, the berries were foot in the bill. Yeah, they, they've also done quote guilty pleasures esque lessons before. Is the other thing I'm taking away from that. Um, they have, yeah. But anyway, all of New Directions gets into it. Everyone else who's not like casted, I guess, does have a bit of running around and dancing. Yeah, they have some moves. Uh, Blaine is a chair. Yes, uh, he. Moves the chair rather dramatically. Uh, Tina is the tambourine, and Unique is fucking working it. Yes, <laughs> yes. She, she's she's here to dance. She's here to party. Uh, and Artie, Jake, and Ryder at the end of the song are like, "Yeah, you know, I'm I'm also a fan of Lo. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. okay for straight guys to like Barry Manilow because look, we all like Barry Manilow. You're safe, Sam. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, as I noted before, this is. This is why we're gay, Maggie. This is why we are queer as fuck. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that listening to Barry Manilow pretty much nonstop from the time that, uh, I don't know, I was probably around like, what, six and you were eight? Yes. Uh, he was six. And we listened to that for, she... a, for a solid five years, probably. Yes. Um, and yes, it did turn us gay. And that's the gay agenda right there. Well, I, I was going to say. I don't know if Barry Manilow is clued in. I, I was going to say, we have ABBA later. The only other thing I can really remember from the record collection is Chess the Musical, which, like, yes, not featured in this episode, sadly, but um, maybe someday. But gayer yeah. <laughs> than any of these. Um. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, there was ABBA, there were the Carpenters, Barry Manilow, Neil Diamond. Oh, yes. You know. Of course. The big ones. Mom likes that big hair, which, good for you, you know. Yep. More power to you. Yep. So, uh, let's move to the next scene, and let's just try to get through this, Maggie. Um, the the Spice Girls are having a meeting about which Spice Girls are going to be which, Um yeah uh it, i mean we there's some more scary spice discourse where yes. it's like the show was like listen we want to cast unique as baby spice but 
people are going to say something about how she's not the black one. And, <laughs> and the show's like, let's just get in front of it. Let's just say it outright that we're we're not going to do this expected casting. Well, and it's just like, okay, whatever, show. Yeah, I mean, my my big thing here, we, we talked about the unique Mercedes thing before where Brittany just like uses the wrong name, which is mm-hmm. racist. Um, But she... She calls Unique Mercedes and then tells her that she can't be Scary Spice because of racism, which I was like, what? (laughs) Um. Yeah, it's a lot of missteps. It really is. Uh, Kitty says that Marley should be Posh Spice because she's so skinny and makes everyone uncomfortable. And Brittany says that she's going to be sporty. Kitty's going to be Ginger Spice. Unique's going to be Baby Spice. And Tina, why she's going to be Scary Spice. She comes in late yes. and a little shaken up. Yes. At first, I was like, "Did somebody flash Tina? Like, what's going on?" Uh, I mean, but it. We find out that yeah. she has been traumatized by something that Jake said. I don't know what it was. Um, maybe just the phrase, "I want to do a Chris Brown number." Yeah. Which, I mean, because what happens here? So Tina arrives late. She's like, "I have horrible news," and then. There is a little joke about being Scary Spice, but then um, it cuts to Marley confronting Jake about his plan to sing a Chris Brown number. Um, Yeah. And Jake's like, I don't see the problem. Okay. Yeah. Now we're going to go to Blaine and Sam. Uh, So Blaine is in the library reading Goosebumps novels, which I guess is another guilty pleasure drop. Yep. And Sam comes up to him and is like, yeah, wow, this guilty pleasure thing seems to have really gone around the whole school. And Blaine's like, oh, that kid's just obsessed with culottes. <laughs> <laughs> and we get, like, as the shot goes back to Sam, because uh, it's a shot reverse shot, because what else would it be? If, right. You know? uh, we, uh, we see, like, out of focus in the background, like, this kid walking by in, like, historical breaches. Yes. Um, which I wouldn't call a culotte. Uh, I'd say a culotte is really more of like a flowy, wide, shorter palazzo pant. Sure. Uh, which I think is sort of the modern terminology. Google told me that Glee could have been using it the correct way, but I wouldn't call what that kid was wearing culottes. What would you call them, Sam? I mean, to be honest, I wrote a single line for this scene um, and didn't care that much about it because Glee always does the shitty thing where they're like, oh, like this lesson that we're doing in glee club is spreading around the whole school and it's like that makes zero <laughs> sense first of all everyone hates you also and like the word culotte i think is where the that joke is supposed to be like it's right. like oh the word culotte is funny people will think this is a joke it's like no well it's not okay it's supposed to be a guilty pleasure like we all recognize goosebumps yes do any of us recognize culottes as teenagers watching this show no because culottes were not in style at any point during our lives what the no, fuck well please? i mean not not that style of culotte but culottes are like we're so in in like 2004 come on oh, okay yeah okay sure it's just thank you okay yeah I, it is it is a dumb little thing though like it doesn't really make all that much sense and we get lied to about what those pants are yes uh, anyway, the rest of the scene is, um, how Sam is like, listen, you really have to set an example and explain your guilty pleasure to the rest of us. You saw me do the Barry Manilow thing. Now you need to do your guilty pleasure. And I was like, but 
didn't they do Wham? Yeah. See, that's... At the beginning? This this is so weird because, honestly, it's just Sam kind of, like... It feels... Sam just being like, listen, just admit it. Just admit that you're in love with me. Right. <laughs> just say it in front of me, in front of God, in front of New Directions. <laughs> Which, like, is that, like, fishing for it? Like... It sort of feels that way, yeah. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> It's just so fucking weird, and, like, it's so obvious that Sam knows that Blaine is into him, and Blaine just seems oblivious. Like, it just, I don't know. It's such a weird plot line. I don't, I, whatever. It really is. Next, we see Chris, the Chris Brown roast. Yes. Um. So, Jake is, like, walking along in the hallway and then to the choir room, and the girls all surround him and, like, tear down Chris Brown piece by piece they're just like he's a piece of garbage he did this he did this he did this he's very bad and then jake's like well i mean i get that he's not a role model but it's about guilty pleasures and i guiltily enjoy his music yeah and um they're all like what (laughs) and then he's like listen we sing songs done by britney spears whitney houston rihanna are these role models and it's like uh, bitch what yeah um bad comparison buddy yeah i i don't think that like i i when he especially when he's like well we sing rihanna songs all the time one you don't two like okay <laughs> and then he's like we sing rihanna songs all the time and do we want to endorse the behavior of going back to someone who abuses you and it's like okay it's a little different um when like well the show lamps shades this and like says that he's a bad person because Marley in the background is just like, what? Yes. <laughs> but I, I, she is upset by what he's saying. I, I do really like that this is coming up though. Cause I think it's a really interesting discussion about separating the artist from the art because we've talked about it before. Which is a big, yeah. Yeah. It's a big talk we've had here. And it's like, I mean, it's a hot topic talk with the me too movement and everything. Yep. And, um, you know, shitty, especially when shitty people die, and everyone's like, no, they weren't shitty. It's like, it's well. Like, come on, though. They really were. Yeah. Now's the time to talk about how bad they were. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. yeah. This whole Chris Brown roast, I think, is important for the show to talk about, too. Because, like, they they say the right things. Yes. No, and that's. <laughs> about how Chris Brown is a piece of shit. That is one of the things. It's weird because the show kind of ends up doing the same thing that like is going on in the show where it makes a choice to not do a Chris Brown number, but they do a different number instead that also has some weird like stuff that like is like, should you have done this? Maybe not. Um, so it's like, I, I, I appreciate that the show didn't do a Chris Brown number and then have to sell that on iTunes and like pay well, royalties to Chris Brown listen. or whatever. But like, still it's sort of like with the number that they do it's sort of like they're saying hey fuck you <laughs> everyone who thinks that you could that separating the art from the artist um is is like what it because it's like glee saying that like all these people who want to disparage chris brown and people like him are overreacting right. and the music can be separated like that's basically what they're saying well in in like a meta textual way because that's what the show that was the choice the show made. Yeah, I mean also Maggie, if you look at the show, they kind of have to say that because of the show itself. Like like they can't What do you mean? They can't tell me 
that like, oh no, we can't do a number that has problematic, like has a problematic artist because this show is problematic in so many fucking ways. <laughs> and like, <laughs> this show is our problematic. Faith. Exactly. It, like, here it is. Yeah. Um, they want me yeah, to like no, the I show, totally but understand. they do a lot of shitty shit. So Glee, what do you want? <laughs> like, yeah. So, uh, so now we're going to go back to Bushwick where Kurt has, Decided to give his roommates pillows. Um, yes. They get SO pillows, each of them, because Santana's isn't a boyfriend pillow. It's a girlfriend <laughs> pillow. Kurt <laughs> sewed a boob onto it. Well, and and uh-huh. it has a dress. Like, it's so good. And Yes. Yes, I love it. It's amazing, yes. honestly. Uh, and Rachel is like, is, gets one too and she's just, just like oh yay yeah well except santana is yeah. about it like she's like oh my gosh you gave my pillow a sex change i love it yes. and uh <laughs> then rachel's like i'm not lonely i mean just because brody moved out doesn't mean we're not going to get back together and santana turns and is and says uh yeah no yes <laughs> that shit is not going to go down not in my house brody was a scumbag do not get back together with him yes um yeah she pours some scalding hot tea all over rachel um yeah i think i don't remember the exact terminology she are uses, we to assume but... that like yeah because santana tells rachel brody's secret yes. about being a sex worker yes um in this scene that's where it happens and rachel is upset the yeah. next scene is back at McKinley, um, where Blaine is doing some more piano cringe. Yes. Uh, so, uh, I, I, he sings Phil Collins Against All Odds Yes. Uh, at the piano. I thought the song was called Take a Look at Me Now. Well, that's, it is that's the parenthetical, Maggie. That is the parenthetical. Yes. Uh, and Blaine is very noticeably wearing half a Cheerios outfit. Yes. Because his pants are the Cheerios pants. It's because he keeps wearing red on top. So it's just such a powerful, like, weird, yes. like, anthropomorphic version of a devil in a movie outfit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, this is also... Yeah, yeah. So apparently this number is to, quote, admit his love for Phil Collins because Phil Collins yeah. was so successful that people like to make fun of him. And it's like, yeah, kind of. But also, like, no one really questions that Phil Collins' music is good. Like... Yeah, I mean, the Tarzan soundtrack is a, is a banger. Like, we all know. Yeah, like, I just... Uh, I, again, yeah. this goes back to the, like, guilty pleasures or whatever... It doesn't, this doesn't make sense, Glee. Like, if you want to do... Yeah, the memes are off. Yeah. The cultural, like, references are just not quite right. You, you know you know what is the real one, though? Like, because when I was trying to explain Barry Manilow to Chris, I was like, yeah, <laughs> the Glee writers think that it's, like, Nickelback. Um, <laughs> and in- oh, my God. If Jake had done, like, a Nickel... Writer. If Writer had done a Nickelback song... He would have sung rock star. See, that was in my notes. I was like, but I still hate Nickelback. Um, so no, the reason why they didn't do Nickelback is because nobody would buy it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Cause that's the thing. Like guilty pleasure music is typically not especially good. Like people don't like things that aren't good. And like being a guilty pleasure means that you like it in spite of the fact that it's not necessarily the best. Which, honestly... I'm surprised nobody mentioned, like, reality TV or something. Right? I feel like that's the memeable guilty pleasure. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. So the the against all odds piano experience. <laughs> it, it is very similar to um the Teenage Dream yes. reprise. <laughs> yes. Uh which I think you gathered from the way I phrased the piano cringe. It is so fucking cringy. We get shots of like Sam being like Mm. Well, <laughs> like looking sort of like sad and like confused. Yes. But also like, yeah. Well, and the best part is that other people in Glee Club also have these reactions. Like, ooh, the part where like Artie looks over at Sam. Oh, I wanted to die. <laughs> yes. Um, which the, the, it does lead to a moment though that I really enjoy where after the number is done, like New Directions gives a standing standing ovation of course because they always do yes um and then tina is like hey blaine who was that song for and then kitty and kitty's like cool it bitch Cooley? shut yeah, it kitty shuts her down immediately and i love that can you be cool for one second <laughs> tina <laughs> yeah now we're gonna <laughs> go to the next number it's wannabe yes. yay and i gotta say the casting of the Spice Girls was spot on. Yes, like, it's so good. It's perfect. Yes, um, Unique does a lot of the singing as Baby Spice. She has like a lollipop. Yes, <laughs> it's cute. Yes, oh, it's so good. And they're all in like they're very they're in like the Spice Girls world, like the Spice World movie. They're in those outfits. Yes, it's I think it's the outfits from the music video for Wannabe also. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Britney is, Britney is Sporty Spice, spot on. Yep. Uh, Marley is Posh Spice, surprisingly well, like, well-casted. Well yep. I didn't really expect Marley to pull it out of the bag, but she does. Maybe it's just the flat-ironed hair. Uh, Kitty is Ginger Spice. She's high energy. She has that Union Jack sequin dress. Yep. And Tina as Scary Spice is fine. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in general, like... We like this number, and it's because Unique is, like, a heavy lead. Like- yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but... I mean, yeah. it's it's really great. It, it's all... Take, it all takes place in the choir yes. room, which is really a, a sort of a relief. Yes. After all these, like, multiple location numbers, it's nice to see them do something in the choir room that is, like, plausible yes. for the plot line, despite, like, the extremely like spot on most likely expensive costumes right yeah uh the british accents are great yes i loved those and there's some weird moments where Artie just gets too much screen time yeah during the actual number and then at the end of it he's like wow kitty you are sexy and kitty's just like Hmm. Well, yeah, I made a note that... <laughs> that's not what he says, but that's the vibe. Yeah, I, I made a note that Artie's male gaze is gross, um, because... It is gross. He's literally... he. I think it feels like he's just staring at Kitty. Like, it's... Because that's... You're right. It's, it, if they just hadn't put him on screen as much, it wouldn't have been a problem. But apparently this is a thing they want to make happen, I guess. Is like, now Artie's going to yeah, conquest again. Ugh. Um. There's a part at the very end of the episode during a dance number where yes. like, Kitty has Artie's face in her tits. Like, what is going on? I feel like that's a Mamma Mia joke. Um, like, I feel, I feel okay, like that's a thing sure. that they would do in Mamma Mia. So, but anyway. <laughs> Somebody just gets shoved into, like, into tits? Meryl Streep's tits? No, into, like, one of the, like, kooky friend's tits. Like, there's two kooky <laughs> friends, and I'm sure there's a part where it's like, <laughs> no, get in my tits. Sure, like, 
I have I haven't seen the Mamma Mia movie in quite a little while, but I think you're almost definitely yes. Right. Um, yes. but uh, there's also a moment where we and we talked about this a little bit, but there's this. So in the '80s, like Wham thing, like the musicians yeah. are loving it. In this one, mm-hmm. the drummer has a part where he like. That rolls drummer. his eyes and i was like fuck you you can get the fuck out of here mister like <laughs> yeah like everyone else is having a good ass time yes. drummer man yeah, which uh yeah. writer also spends an odd amount of time like hitting chairs in this episode <laughs> because he's a drummer now remember? yes well yes because <laughs> which i feel like there's a number i think during copacabana he was playing a chair yes. yeah Yep, he oh was. It's odd, right? Like, what is going on with him? I, uh, is he morphing into Finn? Apparently. Is that... Does McKinley turn people into Finn? <laughs> like, the longer they're there? <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. We'll have to keep an eye on that. But... Okay. Yeah. No, I have an idea. McKinley has a certain, like... They, ha- they have a ghost problem. Okay? Sure. Where people... There's an episode of Buffy where there's, like, a... a infestation of ghosts or like some sort of poltergeist or something where people are compelled to act out um like certain roles that this poltergeist like this poltergeist is reenacting it's um like death sequence if that makes sense and it like compels random people who get pulled into its like web of power to reenact this um sequence as well so it's also that there's a point where buffy yells at Angel, played by David Boreanaz, she calls him a bitch. That's probably why they did it that way. Whatever. Yeah. Um, what I'm saying is that this show, McKinley, uh, has like a ghost infestation, and people just have to reenact like these certain archetypes. Mm-hmm. So the Rachel, the Finn, um, Puck. We have another yep. Puck. Uh, um, I heard you gasp. Were you g- gasping about how smart and brilliant yeah, I am? Or but were you I, gasp- I have a question. Do you think do yeah. you think it's based on that original like cast or are these older ghosts that force them to do the things? Old older okay. ghosts. Um Okay, the school is haunted by that one, the co- the choir director. What is her name? Lillian Adler. Lillian her Adler. Name is Lillian. It's haunted by Lillian. Like that's that's like a demon name, right? So there you No, that's Lilith. <laughs> Shit. Okay. Well, it's close. Oops. <laughs> it's close enough. No, um Lillian Adler haunts McKinley, um, and her her manifestation is reliant on that that plaque yes. <laughs> with her face on it. Um and she is compelling people to act out hmm. um these certain roles. Great. Uh she was sad when Finn left, when Will left, I mean, so she turned Finn into yes. Will. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah, well, let's keep an eye on it, because that's great. Um, <laughs> so, after this number, Jake goes up and is like, okay. Yes. I heard you all. I'm going to do a Brown number, but not a Chris Brown number, and instead sings Bobby Brown's My Prerogative. So this song is a bop. It though. is. It it really is. Like, <laughs> it, ooh. It's such a good song. Yes. Um and there's a part where to de- I think this really describes the scene in and of itself where Jake is dancing and we see uh like Blaine's face as he stares at Jake's feet and he mouths those moves. <laughs> 
which, yes. Which is so accurate because the dancing is amazing. Yes. Uh, Jake does some amazing dancing, and his voice sounds not too nasally. It sounds really good. Yeah. Um, we we know that something is off because the Spice Girls, who were upset about the Chris Brown thing originally, also still seem pretty upset. Um, like, like not they're they're not like really like being like too vocal about it but like marley has like kind of a yucky look on her face and like unique kind of starts the number with a yucky look on her face so it's jake's prerogative to not know (laughs) about the implications of doing a bobby brown number yeah um which um yeah i mean the song is such a bop though (laughs) yeah so let's move to the next scene because that'll help elucidate this um kitty is spooked by tina's vicky um who is a robot from (sighs) this reference is so off also (laughs) yes because like i don't know what this is like small wonder is a tv show right but which I, I only know it's a TV show because of, like, a Scrubs reference. <laughs> like, a reference made in Scrubs to that show. Yeah. Too many layers here. Which, I mean, yeah, it's like, again, the writers are obviously, like, in their 30s and 40s. Um, <laughs> and, like, like yeah. they don't know what is relevant to people that the show is aimed at. Um, but they don't know what's relevant to the people the show is supposed to depict. Right. Um, so, uh, and yeah, yeah, so Tina is in like full cosplay as Vicky, the robot girl. And Kitty is like, wow, I need to hang out with some normal people. But before she goes, Jake comes up and is like, listen, I want to apologize. I didn't realize that Bobby Brown has this like history. Uh, I only knew when Artie told me. Yes. (laughs) Right after the number. And, uh, yeah, then we get some Jarly stuff where he's like, does it really matter if some high school kids sing some Chris Brown songs? And Marley's like, well, ocean. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a drop in the ocean. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, sure. I just, that this argument doesn't make any sense when they are literally a television show. <laughs> yes. You know? Like, yeah, like, obviously you're going to have an impact, to... you dumbass television show. Like, fuck you. You don't need to fucking say this. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. And also, yeah. like, this idea, like, Jake being like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm learning. It's like, okay, I just, I don't really have patience. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I don't understand. I can't really conceptualize why marley would have patience for this shit but i guess that jake is hot so (laughs) yeah and i mean whatever like the problem is that glee and we've talked about this before but glee is trying to like appeal to like mass audience um and unfortunately like there's a reason why like even to today, like Chris, Br- there are people who like Chris Brown and listen to his music still, and it's because they're full. Of- yeah, they're still the the stands exist. And like, I mean, it's we're living in we're living in 2019. It's not hard mm-hmm. to find examples of shitty people who have manipulated other people, tricked other people, or made it so other people just don't give a shit about how shitty of people they are. Like, yep. there's a whole bunch of them. So like. 
Unfortunately, I think Glee is trying to appeal to those people and be like, hey, maybe learn something at some point. And the problem is, that doesn't work. Like, Glee, I don't think you were reaching those people anyway. So, like, why did you add this for us, the people who already, like... Because ugh. because Glee thinks of itself as a crusader, yes. obviously. Yes. Uh, yeah. Now we're going to do the next scene, which is Rachel... <laughs> Goes, okay. <laughs> Confronting Brady. Yes. So she she is the second person to try to foist money on someone yes. uh, in this episode. Um, some odd Blaine-Rachel parallels, I guess, all throughout the episode. Uh, and Rachel's like, here's your money. Can we have dinner or is it not enough yeah. for a male hooker? Yeah. And it's like, okay. Oh. Um at least she didn't say anything worse, but I don't think Rachel really has it. She in does her say something to, worse to later in the episode worse. to other people, but yeah. yeah, she doesn't say it to him yeah. though, uh, and shames him a little bit. And Brody's like, "You can't shame me for that." And yes, I have lied to you, but you've been lying to me also. And he's like, "I know you slept with Finn at that wedding because he hit me in the face." Well, and also like. We, we, I talked about this at the beginning of the episode, but, like, apparently that conversation they had, like, <laughs> meant, meant nothing. nothing. Like, because we were, like, I guess Rachel being, like, yeah, I saw Finn. He's doing well. Meant that, like, yeah, I slept with Finn. But apparently not. Apparently, Brody just was, like, oh, she saw Finn at the wedding. Cool. Like, okay. <laughs> um, He also, I, I think part of this, too, is that it also seems like he thinks that she knew that Finn was gonna come like confront him about it so yeah yeah because uh he's like oh you sent your frankenstein at me which yeah <laughs> what... well and it's a frankenstein's yeah. monster brody not anyway um <laughs> but so sam he's in performance college <laughs> it doesn't matter uh and they break up for yes. real like they have a fight and they break up for real this time we actually see it on screen Wow, Glee, amazing. Yes. Uh, with some finality, because they have a breakup number as well. Yes. Uh, we go straight from the breakup into uh, a full-on number where they sing Creep. Yep. Uh, Brody and Rachel duet. Uh, Brody sings first, then Rachel comes in. They watch each other sleep at one point. Um, yeah, it's super... Like, they also skulk around Miata and then run a little bit. Yeah, there's... Yeah. A split screen. There's some slow mo, like slow mo hallway running. Then they end up on the stage at McKinley yeah. of all places, yep. uh, singing on opposite sides of the stage, wearing all black because they're in mourning for their lost love. Obviously, yep. uh, this is clearly Rachel's weird dream sequence <laughs> that she had while like on the train back to the Bushwick Loft. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. It's fine. I mean, I like the number. It's censored, which is sad, but. It's typical. Um, yeah, it's weird. So, let's move to the next scene where some things should stay secret. Um, yes, Blaine is practicing uh, another Phil Collins number, and Sam comes in and is like, "Listen, you don't have to be uncomfortable anymore. I know you're in love with me, and honestly, I enjoy the attention, and I would be offended if you weren't into me because I'm so hot." Yeah. Um. <laughs> I I like this up until the moment that they hug, and then they make the cheap lifesavers in your pocket joke, and I was like, "Yeah, okay. they do make that joke okay. uh, because they hug it, they hug it out, bitch." And uh, then it like Sam's like, "Oh, please tell me that's lifesavers in there," 
And Blaine's like, here, do you want a, they're breath mints. Do you want one? And okay. It's just so low hanging. <laughs> and also like, do you honestly expect me to believe that Blaine doesn't have like a 12 inch monster dong? Come on. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Can we not talk about Blaine's, Blaine's dick for de- once? <laughs> demonic monster dick. No, we have to talk about it. Um, but it's just Sam. There's plenty of fan fiction that talks about that. I can send you the links if you want. You know, just hit but, me up. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. The next We're, they go off to class or whatever. So how do you feel about how do you feel about this? Like it's over now, so that's good. <laughs> yes. Right? Um. The big thing is mostly that like I I like this resolution of like look straight people can be friends with gay people. Um. That's nice, I guess. But the other, it's weird because like they made a big deal about the fact that. Blaine is in love with Sam and is worried about coming off as like a mm-hmm. predatory gay, which they've had happen before with like Kurt and Finn and things like that. Um, but my big thing is like, it's nice, I guess, that they're showing this, but I, I just feel like they don't really address the fact that like when straight people do this type of shit to each other, like it's not addressed as like predatory and creepy and weird. It's just like cute. Oh, what or, do you mean? Like, like um, like unrequited love or yes. something. Well, it, I think it makes sense for Blaine's character because remember he did get back. That's true. Yeah, uh, like his backstory is like a tragic bashing, which of course he's a gay character in TV. Right. Yes. Uh, um. No. So it's, you know, it makes sense for him to be like afraid. Yeah. To say anything. Yeah. It's it's more coming from the fact that like they addressed this, but um, I I someone tweeted at us about how like. Like there is like what we we were we fell more on the like Kurt side of the like weird Kurt Finn relationship back when that happened in like seasons one and two, but like there mm-hmm. is like some of the stuff Kurt does is like not great. Oh and, no, like, a lot of it, a lot of what Kurt does is like not chill. Yeah. Honestly, especially when like Finn's been like I'm not interested. Right. Um. Um. I don't know, but it's I mean, but there are things that like Kurt does that Finn super overreacts yeah. about. Um like the, about the moist towelette. You were you yes. remember the moist towelette. <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't know. It's been on my brain. So like I guess it's Finn, it's just a moist towelette. <laughs> um, I, I guess it's nice that they're giving yeah, us resolution, no, I, but I totally understand too, like the <sighs> The feeling that's like, why do these kind of relationships have to be different? Mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, the show, I don't think could show it any other way because they're not that adequate. Right. Yeah. So. And I guess the the <laughs> other issue too is that I was trying to think about it. And the problem is that there are some like, like we talk about it all the time. A lot of the like, like heterosexual relationships in the show have a lot of real problematic elements to them where like people get really obsessive about each other and like Act. Yeah, they get obsessive and they're they're like mean to each yeah. other. Like it's really toxic. Or with Jake and Marley, it's just um boring. Marley doing all the work. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um but it's just yeah. So like the problem I guess is that we don't really have an example of like a person being not interested, like a straight person being not interested in another straight person of the opposite sex. Which is... Yeah, because Glee is so obsessed with pairing everyone off, seeing which combination works. Like, it's just... Which, maybe that is how straight high school works. I don't know. I didn't do it, so... I don't know either. Like, I'm glad I didn't. Sounds bad. 
but now we're going to do the next part of the episode. Yes. It's we're back in Bushwick and they're watching like I guess a facts of life. Yes. Marathon, <laughs> which we were we can only like figure out if you know the names of the people in the facts of life, which I have never seen. Again, I'm working off of like a Scrubs reference. I think I think they do mention that they're so, watching facts of life. I think Kurt is like they do. I, yeah, okay. I think Cruz. Sorry, the couple name I came up. Cruz is like, yeah. Aren't you glad I recorded this facts of life marathon <laughs> that they had on TV Land? And then is Cruz for Santana and Kurt? no, that's for. Kurt and Bruce. <laughs> oh my god! Um, and the problem is, I don't have a couple named for Santana because she never names her girlfriend arm. But she, she she does not name the girlfriend pillow. But we find out that Kurt named Rachel's pillow for yes. her. His name is Colin. Yes. Um, because Rachel arrives um, to tell them about her professional breakup with Brody. Yes, she says the conversation was mature and professional, which is a lie, because we just saw it, and it was neither. And also, she started it by putting, like, she gave him $20 and was like, is this enough to buy a dinner with you? Yeah, she, she vindictively shamed him to start. That is far from professional, Rachel Berry. <laughs> yes, um, but she also thanks Santana. For looking out for her and caring about her, um, you you did send me a snap about this, but I love Santana peeking up over like peeking up over her girlfriend arm to like look at people. Yes. It's so adorable <laughs> and amazing. Like yes, like peeking above the pillow boob, yes. just like ooh, <laughs> who's over there? Oh, it's so good. It's it is adorable, and uh, Rachel is ready to change her life now that she's broken up with Brody for yes. good. She's is ready for her funny girl audition. She's ready to do one other thing and she's ready to maybe date older men. <laughs> it's a weird drop that when she says that it, it cuz everyone's like, "Ooh." And it's like, "Who? What?" Yeah. Um but yeah, she's also ready for their permanent third roommate. Um Okay, thank you. That's the one I yeah, was missing. Yeah, Santana's earned uh, her spot, I guess, with her Mexican third eye. Third <laughs> eye. Mm, I didn't write anything about that because I'm, I don't know how to feel about it I, when Santana brings yeah, that I'm up. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how to feel about it when Santana brings it up, and I'm really not sure how to feel about it when other characters bring it up to Santana. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she seems so chill about yeah. it, though. And then Rachel's like, well, because I'm the one who got broken up with, I get to pick the movie tonight. And she goes over to the shelving yes. unit, the sort of abstract shelves that they have, and uh, pulls down Mamma Mia, the DVD, but doesn't say anything. <laughs> just sort of like gesticulates with well, it. And is like, <laughs> this DVD is for sale in all stores starting this well, week. But <laughs> did you also notice that there's a convenient sticker over the face of... Um, Oh, what's her name? The a Amanda yes. Siegfried? There's like right on her face. And I was like, wow. what? <laughs> Maybe they're mad about the casting. Maybe. Well, I, I think she does say something along of like the most like guilty pleasure movie musical of all time, Mamma Mia. And I'm like, did you not get? That's not. What about Xanadu? <laughs> what about Chess the Musical? I don't know if they made a movie of that. Anyway, um... 
Oh, I bet they didn't. Santana <laughs> um, join in as she starts Mamma Mia, of course. Like Yes. Uh, <laughs> so we get the dancing in Bushwick uh, with the bo- boyfriend pillows as yes. props. And uh, then we also get the ABBA dress up at McKinley. Uh, we see all of New Directions dressed as in their ABBA finest, yes. which is great honestly uh they were all my favorite i couldn't pick a favorite um my least favorite thing is blaine's weird hair but that's not neither here nor there uh and they did this is when we see artie and kitty's cleavage well i was gonna say they didn't have hair gel in the 70s um but yeah like i don't know it's so it feels very mamma mia like it feels very abba it feels very like yeah yeah it's Extre- extremely Mamma yes. Mia. It's great. Um, and uh, th- the time. Yes, the- Shall we discuss it? <laughs> yes. Because not, o- like, not only are they both singing this number at the same time in both of these places, they both have these gold hula hoops that like. That they're all, they're all playing with yes. them. Uh, there are various sizes. Yes. Uh, and they they just sort of wheel them around and, and like play with them, do some hula hooping. And there's a part where Kurt like throws a hoop, and Blaine catches yes. it. <laughs> the, the scene transitions like fades to the McKinley where Blaine is catching the hoop that Kurt just threw. Yes. Like it's not a, a perfect edit, but it's like yes. there. <laughs> oh my god! It's so. It's just like, I mean, here's the thing. I'm gonna. I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm not even really that. Up, I'm not upset about this at all because I like this number no, a lot. I'm not upset about it at all it's, either. It's amazing. It's just good. <laughs> like it's so funny and fun. Uh it's just great. And they're all having a great yes. time, which is what I care about: is that everyone looks happy. Yes. <laughs> and that's the episode. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we have. Gold stars and slushies were always in fashion at the podcast. Oh my god. The podcast business. But it's a metaphor. And, and metaphors are important. important. Gold stars are important. Because gold, gold stars, stars are a metaphor, metaphor for, for me being, being a star. That was amazing. That's my Thank that you. might be my favorite one we've done. Um and by <laughs> we I mean you, obviously, because you did the heavy lifting. I, I was stricken by inspiration. <laughs> um so of course, we're in the podcast business, um, so we're going to do the three things we always do, but let's go and start off with gold stars. Uh, am I first, or are you first this week? Um, I don't know. I think it's probably me, but... I can go. Uh, you... oh, yeah, okay, I'll go. go. For I'm ready. Um, I will... So I'm going to cut it between a few characters here. Okay. Um, because I think the ones that are in contention are surprisingly Sam. Sure, uh, I think he's pretty good in this episode. Uh, anybody at, in Bushwick? Well, maybe really just Kurt and Santana. Okay. Really, um, not Rachel. Sorry, Rach. Uh, it's mostly the like Brody money thing. I'm not down with that. Uh, and I think like Jake might have like a spot there. Hmm. Maybe it's just I really liked my prerogative. Okay, uh, sure, and. Uh, and Blaine, too. Um, yeah. Okay. You know, I think I think I'm gonna pick. 
But I mean, the Spice of Girls thing is really good, also. <laughs> and Britney is really good, except for like the one racist thing she says. Fuck. Well, I could say that about any episode. <laughs> really. Yes. Hmm. I'm gonna give it to Sam and. Hmm. I'm gonna split it between Sam and Brittany. Okay. Interesting. Power couple. Um. Yeah. Uh. So it's funny you mentioned the thing about the people in the Bushwick loft. Um. Because I'm giving my gold <laughs> star to Rachel. Um. Oh. Mostly good. for the interaction with Brody. Yes, Rachel is terrible, Oof. but like, oh my god, it's so like it's great television. Like. <laughs> fuck sure Rachel. and also because yeah. then rachel does the creep number and it feels like you know we're back to like rachel like over dramatizing yeah. all of her life like it's great Ugh. i thought creep was a really great choice for the ending of this relationship also yes. uh because it's like uh, yeah i mean i'm glad it's over yes <laughs> uh i remember like when we were watching the last episode that Devin was on we mentioned Brody and Devin was like who (laughs) yeah so hopefully we can move forward knowing that Brady is the most inconsequential person ever um I did have an honorable mention for Kitty though because I also oh I do too because like yes she does say the transphobic thing which kind of like with Brittany oh every episode but um man her as Ginger Spice is very good so like her as Ginger Spice is great. In the Mamma Mia number, there's like a part where her and Marley are singing together. Yes. That is really yes. good. And uh, her energy this episode is just good also. Yeah. Uh, her appearance on Fondue for Two is fantastic. Yes. Um, but yeah, so let's let's go ahead and move on to the next piece of podcast business. The best number. What do we got, Maggie? Our options are Jitterbug, the Fondue for Two theme song. I don't know sure. why I wrote that so big. It's- I don't. It doesn't really count either. Sorry. Um, uh, fuck. Next one is Copacabana. Mm-hmm. That's a long yep. time. Uh, then we see Wannabe, My Prerogative, Creep, and finally Mamma um, Mia. Man, that back half of the episode was just you, loaded. You did miss Against All Odds, Take a Look at Me Now. But... Ooh, you know I skipped that one for good reason. <laughs> yeah, so... Oh my god, so many numbers though, right? Like, mm. lots yes. of good ones too. I th- I'm gonna choose wannabe, uh, and but with a special mention for Mamma Mia as like the biggest group number that they've done, because ki- with group number, right? In the past, we've just been able to do oh well, all the new directions sing in this one. That's the group yeah. number. Now it's like, well, d- are the new- people in new york singing also yes because we have uh the, the, like a few christmas numbers where the people in new york are singing at the same time and now we have mama mia so yep yeah what's the real group number you know it's funny because under my best number i wrote down two numbers um with the theory that i would pick the one that you didn't pick um and they mm. are wannabe and mama mia and i'll so i'll pick oh. i'll pick mama mia and say, give a shout out to wannabe because great Again, like, it's funny because, like, part of me, 
like I have to acknowledge that Copacabana is part of my formative years and like yes. it's fine um but it's just It could be better though. Yeah. Sam Sam really rests on those sleeves instead of doing any real dancing. And and also like he's the lead for like all yeah. of it so yeah. And Jitterbug is good. Oh it is. Uh, it is very good. <laughs> yeah. It it is really good but it's also just one of the you know, sort of generic, overproduced New Directions numbers without, well, like, just to start the episode on a high note. Yeah, and it does definitely feel, because they've done this a couple times, it feels like it's Glee being like, oh, we want to do an 80s number. Let's do an 80s number. And it's like, okay, like, <laughs> sure. Yes, exactly. But, like, it didn't have any relevance to anything. So, okay. Yep. Uh, and the other songs are, other songs are good. Creep is like, like I just said, a good finality for the Brody Rachel relationship. Uh, Mike prerogative is a bop. Yeah. And Jake's dancing is spectacular. It's like if Mike was singing the whole time, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, against all odds. Oh man. I guess it, it did cause emotion (laughs) for me. Yeah. Like. I think that was our our review of Teenage Dream too, um, <laughs> but just the cringe is so, the gay cringe is strong with this one, you know. Yes, um, but yeah. So let, let's go ahead and move on to the last piece of podcast business. Um, as we do every week, we're going to give this episode a rating of slushies um, based on how much we wanted to bully it. So, Maggie, what is your slushy rating for this week? I'm going to give it half a slushy. I thought it was really fun. Uh, the pacing is slightly off, but it's not off enough that it like makes the episode episode feel too long or too short or anything. Uh, the uh, the Bushwick storyline is great. Love the boyfriend pillows. Thought they were hilarious. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and um, the Sam and Blaine storyline. Uh, on its surface is a bad idea and in practice it can be a bad idea occasionally but it also like I think that it's acted well uh, and doesn't leave like a bad taste in my mouth or anything like that yeah and um, I mean the bad parts are very minor you know some minor uh, racial comments some minor transphobia stuff uh, I think it's stuff that just comes along with Glee these days. <laughs> yeah, that's not great. Um, but yeah, I, I I hear you. I feel what you're saying there. Um, I'm giving this episode zero of five slushies. Nice. Honestly, I I completely agree that there are some like small issues with it, but I'm willing to overlook those because of like just the bizarrity. Like in yeah. and in the past, I've had issues where episodes are just bizarre for like no reason. But this one at least is like super fun. A lot of the numbers are great, and like it's just and they do have an excuse. It's for team building. Yes, <laughs> um, but also <laughs> another part of it. Um, next week is episode eighteen, shooting star, um, and mm. I have been told, and I'm also fairly confident that everything is going downhill very fast. So I'm going to cling to this like life raft of. Um, joy that I have right now. I'm gonna give it zero five. I want. I like this episode of Glee. If all of Glee was like this, I think I'd be okay with it. You know, like. Well, then how would they go to regionals if all of Glee was like this? Um, it would be bizarre. Yeah. It would all be bizarre. It'd be. No, I totally agree. Like Glee needs to lean in into like 
the cinema abstract. Yes. Like just we don't we don't need a concrete timeline glee so don't pretend like you're gonna give us one just go for it also we don't need to pull in real life issues um just for the sake of doing that um you're right so yep (laughs) yeah um along those lines like i said next week is gonna be season four or season four episode 18 shooting star um we probably will have a content warning potentially yes um because it is from what I understand, not going to be good. Um, but in the meantime, <laughs> if you want to contact us, um, like I was saying, we've had people reach out to us on Twitter. You can do that at SNM or at SNM Hakely. Um, we love hearing from you. We love, especially because a lot of, it seems like a lot of people are just starting the show. So, I mean, they probably won't get to these episodes for a while, hopefully. Cause, for a while. Because if you listen no. to a lot of these at once, I need you to stop and go outside and take a breath and like, do something else for a while because like <laughs> don't just fill your life with hatred <laughs> yeah also because uh, i can't watch it's bad yeah. for us i, I can't you know? listen to our episodes that often because it's just not like it's not fun sometimes they're so negative yeah which they sort of have to be because the show is bad uh <laughs> yeah and but and like you're not in this blood debt you don't need to do this um do you think that's yeah? A- uh, if, yeah, go for it. If you want to head over to iTunes and give us a little review, clackety clack, that'd be so nice of you. It's how more people can find the show. You can also uh, reach out to us with long form thoughts at our email at snmhakely at gmail dot com. So the other thing you can do if you like our content and um, you want to help support us, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash snmhakely. Um, there you can find extra bonus audio. Um, I've started cutting out some stuff from episodes because we go longer than we would like to. And also we talk about inane bullshit sometimes. Um, yes. <laughs> but that's for patron listeners now because... You know, we really we really appreciate them, and also um, we push our donations to donating to good causes like the Trans Law Center. Next week we're gonna watch Shooting Star, and this week we're done. Yes. So until next time, when we watch that episode, I've been Sam, and I've been Maggie, and we hate Glee from the top. <laughs> Ha ha ha!